Uh, if you have a Bible or one in front of you, if you want to learn, to, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. Page 1028 of the, the Pew Bibles. I'm going to read verses 22 to 40. In fact, we'll, we'll start at verse 21, actually. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And may God add his blessing to his word. Now, I've spoken in this passage before, and uh, I, I want to just mention a few, th- a few things I would have mentioned before on this, but I want to kind of extend it uh, under the theme of prophetic listening and how we can, uh, if you like, develop our inner ear of hearing the voice of God speaking to us. Uh, We keep saying that we're a word and spirit church. We believe that Jesus' spirit indwells the church, but he indwells each individual believer. Whenever Jesus left us, he said, I'm sending you a comforter, an advocate, a counselor, a guide. And that was the Holy Spirit, a teacher who would be with us. God has given us an inspired Bible by which we test all things, 
but he has also given us his Holy Spirit who walks with us. In these early chapters of Luke's gospel, we find that Luke keeps emphasizing the role of the Holy Spirit in the infancy narratives and the incarnation narrative. You will remember that uh, the Holy Spirit is there overshadowing Mary. Uh, He has interactions with Zechariah. And he, in this very unique time, and it is a unique time, uh, in this unique time we find angels making an appearance, we have a miraculous birth, so much that is supernatural. But we live uh, post-Pentecost. We live in the era of the church where the Holy Spirit is ever-present with us. But can I just set in context, before we kind of dive into the prophetic listening part of this message, uh, let me remind you of the way or the context or the environment, if you like, in which the Holy Spirit speaks. First of all, we see here that the Holy Spirit works through the normal means of grace. Joseph and Mary were a pious obedient couple. They wanted to do what the Lord has set down in His law in the Scriptures, which for them was the Old Testament. And so they, on the eighth day, would have circumcised Jesus under the Jewish ritual and law. They would have come to the temple in Jerusalem, which was about five or six miles down the road from Bethlehem. And there they would have gone to the temple to be purified and to present um, a couple of pigeons or birds or whatever as their sacrifice. There was a value in these rituals. They They were saying to God, we want to be obedient to you. We want to place ourselves before you in these normal rituals and means of grace. And it was as they were doing this that the Spirit would use these things and speak to them. It was as they were doing these things that they met Simeon and they met Anna. And so today, the encouragement for us is to keep partaking in the daily and weekly means of grace, which for us are daily Bible reading, prayer, regular attendance at public worship, engagement in ministry and service, celebrating the sacraments of baptism and communion. In these very ordinary rituals, God speaks, and the Holy Spirit communicates, strengthens us, builds us up, and edifies His church. So that's the first thing I want us to see, that it is through the normal means of grace, the normal business of Christian and church life that we expect God to speak. So it is good that we are here. The second thing we we notice here is that Simeon has a prayerful waiting. He has expectancy. Every time we have a, a Word and Spirit conference, I always sense that the Holy Spirit is doing more and He's speaking more because there is an expectancy. And God always responds where there is faith 
and expectancy. This season is called Advent, and in Advent, it is a season of waiting. And so we pray, as, as Simeon did, we pray, Lord, reveal yourself to us. Lord, come. The last prayer of the New Testament and Revelation, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. While all around we see the passing of time and the rising and falling of nations, we realize God is working out His purposes sovereignly. And we join with the Holy Spirit in faithful waiting. And so Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the promised Messiah. And he's expectant, and he's alert, and he's looking. And God blesses that sort of attitude. So God uses the normal means of grace. The Spirit speaks through those. The Spirit looks for those who are expectantly waiting for him to speak. And then thirdly, the Holy Spirit uses the Scriptures. He aligns himself with his word, with the prophetic word that we find in the Bible. In Simeon's prophecy here, he references the Old Testament. In verses 30 to 32, he says, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, that is, that is a lift, really, out of Isaiah 60, which I, which I read earlier at the, uh, before the prayer. And in verse 34, he says, um, Simeon blessed, and this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. That is a lift out of Isaiah chapter 8. So Simeon is familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures, his Bible. He has meditated on these passages. And whenever the Spirit comes upon him and he's speaking, he's speaking the Word of God, the Word of blessing over this, this Messiah, over this child. The Scriptures informed his prayers and the prophecy. And I think this will be the same for us today. When the Spirit moves prophetically, He will bring to mind certain Scriptures, and He will bring those Scriptures for a certain context or a certain time or a certain circumstance. The Spirit does not work in some disengaged way from the Word of God. So the Spirit uses the normal means of grace. The Spirit answers and moves upon those who are expectant and listening. The Spirit uses the Scriptures to speak and to encourage. And fourthly, He responds where there is humility and a submissiveness. Simeon has a humble, submissive attitude to the Lord's will. A bit like when Mary received, you know, the angel's word, she said, you know, here I am, Lord, willing to obey. Speak, your servant is listening. And so Simeon here says, now dismiss me. I have, I have seen the coming of the Messiah. Now dismiss in Latin is nunc dimittis. This prophecy is sometimes called the nunc dimittis in Latin. 
It's now dismissed. He had total contentment in the Lord's will being done. If you like, one of the things, maybe the main thing on his bucket list was to see the Messiah. And he had seen the Messiah. He says, now, Lord, I can leave this scene. I'm satisfied. I have seen the consolation of Israel. I have seen the Messiah. And the, the Lord loves that, that humility, that submissive spirit. And then the final thing I want to say in terms of this kind of introduction, I'm not in the sermon yet, by the way, just in terms of this introduction, but is that the Spirit works through all kinds of people and different ages and stages. In this uh, incarnation narrative, he has spoken to a young couple, Joseph and Mary. He has spoken to and through an older couple, uh, Zechariah and Anna, or Elizabeth, sorry, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he has spoken through Simeon and Anna, who were in, in those days certainly quite ancient. They were, they were up probably in their 80s or whatever, which is quite good going in those days. So sometimes people think whenever they get up to their older years, they kind of think, well, you know, how can God speak through me? What can God do with me? How can he use me? But he can. And maybe you can't be just as active in ministry in the church, but you can be more, you know, at home maybe praying, maybe asking God to prophetically move. And so there's always a rule. You're never too young and you're never too old for the Lord and the Spirit to use you. And so we have this lovely, lovely incident here where Simeon and Anna are used of the Lord even though they are well, well on in years. Now, what I want to do in the, in, in the rest of the time is just to focus in now on what it means to listen prophetically. How did Simeon and Anna get to that place where they were able to be used as a channel of the Holy Spirit and blessing and to speak prophetically over this child? And those five uh, preliminary points that I've made, those five points really connect and, and build into the context of prophetic listening. But in verses 25, verse 26, and verse 27, I wonder, did you notice how the Holy Spirit is mentioned there three times? It says, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. There was a special anointing. There was a special infilling of him. Now, we, we are post-Pentecost, so the Holy Spirit is always within us. But pre-Pentecost, what you find is that the Spirit came upon people for certain important events or utterances. So here the Holy Spirit was upon him. And then in verse 26, it said, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So in some way, and we'll, we'll, we'll mention this in a moment, in some way, he had felt the Spirit communicating to him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And then in verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. 
And it was at that very moment that the, cho- that, that the child was there with his parents. At that very moment. He could have missed it if, if he hadn't responded to that prompting of the Spirit. He maybe would have missed this moment that he had been waiting for, for years and years and years. So this unique work of the Holy Spirit here is kind of parallel today. We can still have an expectancy that God will speak to us and through us if we are a Spirit-led church. As we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, He will prompt us. He will whisper to us. He will guide us. Sometimes people ask, well, you know, how does the Spirit move? How does He communicate? Well, He he often does it just by a little nudge, a little internal nudge. And if we are listening to that and aware of it, that can help us. Sometimes I have felt a little nudge from the Holy Spirit to phone somebody. And I phoned them and they have needed a, a word, they've needed comfort, they have needed encouragement, or they're going through something. I don't know if you've had that experience. Or maybe you've been nudged to go and call with someone. Uh, Sometimes whenever I am um, preparing for a new sermon series, I I spend some time praying and asking God to maybe give me a nudge or reveal where, you know, what, what we should be studying together as a church, what I should preach upon. And quite often, God will maybe, even if I'm in a, booksto- a, a bookstore or a bookshop, he will, he will kind of nudge me to, to look in a certain section to certain books. Sometimes I will find that he will keep bringing, um, if I'm going to preach in a series, for example, in that series and numbers that we're doing at the moment, I was praying, asking the Lord to lead me to what we should be doing as a church, preaching on. There were one or two things happened, I'll not go into the detail, but one or two things happened where God confirmed to me that, yes, we should be preaching and looking at the book of Numbers. So, if we have that expectancy, that openness, God responds, God, God speaks to us. There is an environment which encourages the Holy Spirit to work and to speak and to communicate to us. And He will often communicate through the ordinary and the mundane we will not, I mean, you might see an angel in the sky, but like the shepherds did, but that's very, very rare. More likely, he just gives that little whisper. Almost, it seems almost like an, uh, an audible voice, but it's not an audible voice. So in verse 26, where it says, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was a day when he was reflecting on the Old Testament, on something in Scripture. But at the end of the day, there was this openness. He knew that God was speaking to him. Sam Storms defines prophecy as the human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy is the speaking forth in human words of something God has spontaneously brought to mind. Sometimes people ask, what is the difference between prophecy uh, and a word of knowledge? And I think there's actually very little difference between them because God is ultimately behind it and God is prompting it and God is putting it into your mind. It is, in a sense, a divine revelation. They're in the same family, as it were. Uh, Prophecy, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits, they're all in the kind of same family of gifts. 
Sometimes a prophecy can have something more of God foretelling. In other words, what is going to happen. There can be a foretelling aspect to it. But quite often in prophecy, there is a foretelling for the current moment. Again, sometimes people ask, what is the difference between uh, a prophecy and a word of encouragement or illumination? And again, Sam Storms is quite good in this. The prophetic is less common, perhaps, than a word of encouragement or illumination. Uh, very often, people might be reading a passage of Scripture, and maybe they, maybe they think about it in a different way, or it has suddenly encouraged them more than it had in the past. And that's not necessarily a word of prophecy or word of knowledge. That's just the illumination of the Spirit just helping us to understand the Bible better. Uh, quite often in open space, that's, that's what I think happens, that people are getting the illumination of God and they, they, they come and they share, you know, a word that they think is meaningful to them, but also maybe meaningful for the church. And that's not necessarily a word of prophecy. It's maybe more just this word of encouragement. It's a word of edification. It's a word of illumination. The Holy Spirit is still behind it, but it's not necessarily a word of knowledge or a prophecy. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So Paul encourages us to seek this gift of prophecy. He says also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. In some versions, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Which of us, who of us would like to quench the Holy Spirit? We, we wouldn't. So we open ourselves to God speaking prophetically to us and through us. So how does God speak? Well, I've already suggested He can speak through a nudge, a whisper. He can speak through a dream. He can speak through giving us a picture in our minds that is quite insistent and we're asking, Lord, why are you giving me this picture? He may not give us the interpretation, but it may be a picture for someone. Sometimes people have the experience of perhaps feeling a pain in part of their body, and they're wondering, why is the Lord giving them this pain? And it's because it's a kind of a sympathetic pain for someone in the congregation or someone they know who has that pain, who has that problem, and He wants to heal them. Now, I've, this has never happened to me, but some people it does happen to these are different ways in which the Spirit communicates and speaks today, through whispers, through dreams, through an image or a picture, through a pain or in some part of our body. We do not hear an audible voice, but such a strong internal voice that it could be, might not be, but it could be the Lord speaking to you. It has a strong impression with it. It just keeps coming back to us. And as we earnestly seek the Lord and pray and put ourselves in the place of seeking Him and asking Him what He is saying, we find that we can train ourselves in this listening prophetically and listening to the Spirit. Now, obviously, this requires a certain amount of faith and indeed risk. Uh, sometimes I have felt the Lord prompting me to say something I thought, should I say that or to share a picture? And I think that, that just seems so random. Uh, 
But you do, when you take the risk and you share that word or you share that picture, the other person might say, well, actually, that does mean something to me. A few months ago, uh, one of the prayer ministry team came in to me before a service, and she said, I, I don't know why, this means absolutely nothing to me, but does this word mean something to you? She spoke this word, and I said, well, actually, it does. It meant absolutely nothing to her, but for me, it was a real encouragement of all the thousands and thousands and thousands of words in the English language. And I felt the Lord is with me, the Lord is encouraging me. Sometimes you say something or you share a picture and another person might just look blankly at you and say, that doesn't mean a thing to me. Well, that's fine. Just leave it with them. Paul says that we should test these things. Don't just accept them as from the Spirit. They need to be tested. Pete Gregg in his book, Hearing God, says we should apply the ABC of testing. A, is it affirming? B, is it biblical? Or does it contradict Scripture? And C, is it Christ-honoring? Is it something you would imagine Jesus saying? It can sometimes take a little time to work these things through. And sometimes we may have to submit that word or that picture or that dream to the church leadership. And I and the elders are more than, than open and welcome for you to come and to say to us, look, I think this is a prophetic word for someone or for the church. What do you think of it? That's what the church is for. It is to, to test and to weigh these things. And in fact, if, if in a, you know, an open, open space environment, open space night, if someone feels I've, I have a prophetic word, I would really love that you came and you shared with one of the elders or myself before you share it from the platform. Because these things should be tested, tested by the leadership. But we do want to be a church that is open to prophetic listening and prophetic speaking. Sometimes, as we find here, the, the word, the prophetic word, can be confirmed by someone else. And so, in this particular case, when Simeon spoke his prophecy, we find on the same day that Anna, the prophetess, who spends a lot of time in the temple, she comes over to the couple. And, and she blesses them prophetically. We don't have the detail of what she said, but obviously the tenor of it was very similar to what had been spoken by Simeon. So there we have a confirmation of the prophetic word. And again, that's something that can happen in the church situation. Someone gives a word and someone else comes up and says, well, actually, that is an echo of the word that I receive from the Lord. Now, I said earlier that prophetic words should be affirming and edifying and upbuilding and loving, but occasionally God, through His Spirit, can give prophetic words which are, um, you know, strong words, maybe, maybe hard words to hear, maybe painful words, but those need to be exercised with care, with caution, and in love. In fact, in this prophecy of Simeon, there was something that was painful for Mary to hear. Yes, it was good 
to hear that this child would be a blessing, that he was the Messiah, that he would cause the rising of many in Israel, but also the falling. This child is destined to cause the falling of many. He would be a sign spoken against and a sword, Mary, will pierce your heart. Mary would see her child die, the child that she lovingly cradled would one day be on the cross and she would see him die for the sins of the world. So prophetic words, we need to be careful with them because they are serious. Now that doesn't mean to say that you go into a thus saith the Lord mode because you actually don't know for sure if it's from the Lord it has to be tested. And so it is better to use language such as I have a sense that the Lord is saying to me or I have this strong impression that the Lord is speaking and saying this to the church because it needs to be tested. And sometimes we just need time to see if it is true and of the Lord. In other places in in, in Scripture in the New Testament, we see where there has been serious words of knowledge or prophecies given. Whenever Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, he was given a word of knowledge about the fact that she had had a number of husbands. The person she was now living with was not her husband. It was a prophetic word. Jesus saw what other people did not see. He was given divine revelation. Or indeed in uh, Acts chapter 5, where God reveals to Peter that Ananias has held back some money. Ananias and Sapphira pretending that they had given everything to the Lord, but actually they had held some back. And it didn't end well. A prophetic and indeed a word of knowledge was given to Peter. So prophetic words can be serious, they can be painful, but the ones that we want to try and emphasize in a church scenario, in a church situation, are those that are are affirming, loving, edifying, and build us up, and Christ-honoring. So as we move into 2023, as we uh, look forward to our Word and Spirit Conference, I want us to be a church of word and spirit, open as Simeon and Anna were open to the prophetic power of the Holy Spirit speaking and moving. Have we that sense of expectancy that God can use us, that God can speak through us? I hope we do. Yes, even this evening. So I'm just going to ask the worship guys to come up and and just for a moment, we're just going to have a moment of silence and and I'll just pray and maybe the, the Lord will lay on someone's heart something prophetic for them, maybe, maybe for the church, but that we'll have that openness. So let's just be still. And I pray that ancient prayer of the church, 
come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You are here. You are present. But sometimes in your gracious moving and speaking, you want to communicate something in particular to an individual or indeed to a church. And so, Lord, we place ourselves before you afresh in humility and in obedience. Help us to listen to you.